Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. Today we're here with Char Hiring, and we're super pumped to have him on. Char is a real estate agent, but he's focused on wholesaling and social media presence. Um, Char, we'd love to kick it off with a story, man. Um, could you tell us one of the craziest real estate experiences that you've had? Happy to be here on the Freedom Chasers podcast today. The craziest story, I would say all of them every single day. They're all crazy. If I'm not talking to a crazy seller, I'm not talking to the right person. I'll talk about one recently that I just had that was a little wild. I just I, I bought a home in Pocatello, Idaho about a month and a half ago from a lady and we were under contract getting ready to close on the house. And initially, let me back up a little bit. Initially, I had gone over there and she was wanting in the range of two seventy five to 300000 I had found this lead on Facebook and I, I told the lady, hey, I'll come look at it. I'll let you know, you know, you know what I can give it, you know, give you for it. Um, I had determined that the market value, the comps on this, the RV was around 230 once all fixed up. So I go over there. Putting in. To get it to the ARV? Uh, 30 to 50, I'd say. 30 to 50 to get it to, to 230. So I go over there, look at it, and I just say, look, I could probably give you 125, 135,000 max. It's going to need a little bit of work. I'm going to have to pay agent fees. It's just, I don't think you're ever going to get 275,000 unless you hold on to it for the next 10 years. And her situation was she couldn't afford to pay the mortgage on this property for another month. She was in a, in a tight spot. She really had to get rid of this thing, you know, today. So, you know, we write it up, we go under contract and we find out that her husband is still on title, her ex-husband. So we have to get him off first. We have to get the judge to sign or whatever with title. And we had been waiting like three weeks for that to happen. And I'm, you know, continuously following up with her every single day saying, Hey, where's this at? I'd really want to close on it. And I get this call out of the blue from this gentleman. And he's like, Hey, I'd like to talk to you about this house in Pocatello with, you know, the seller that you have under contract. And typically I don't have these conversations unless it's the person on the purchase and sell agreement. So I was willing to entertain it. I, I, I start having the conversation with this guy and, He's just blowing me up saying, he's like, you're ripping this lady off. Uh, you need to back out of this deal right now. Lo and behold, this guy's another flipper trying to get the deal from me. And yeah. And then the seller calls me saying that she's going to sue me if I don't back out of the contract. And I just say, look, I, I filed a notice of interest on this property. You either want to close on it. You don't want to close on it, but we have a written purchase and sell agreement. He's not going to be able to close on this, you know, decide by tomorrow what you want to do with it. Anyways, she had had her husband's signature this whole time. She texted me the next day. She's like, I'll, I'll close on it. That was a pretty crazy situation. It was a long story short that I, I, I put it there, but that one got pretty ugly. I had the guy cussing me out. She was cussing me out, telling me how I was unethical, not a good person, all this, all these different things. And, you know, I had bent over backwards for the seller because I really only wanted to offer like 120 and I had gave her 135 because I felt her out for her situation. And that was a pretty crazy, crazy situation. And I say that it was crazy because I put this, you know, I put the, the story on YouTube and TikTok of kind of how it went down and those videos went viral. People were like, what happened? What happened? 
Um, that was a pretty crazy one. But, you know, I'd say every, every day and almost every seller that I talk to, they all have crazy, crazy stories that go along with them of why they're selling the property or, or how they've acquired the property or how the situation goes from start to finish to when we close it. But I, that was one that was just recently that just happened. It blew up on, on social media. I've got a ton of those stories. I'd say all of them are like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the things I love about the business is that essentially, you know, like there's some businesses that are the same every single day. And some people love that routine. And then there's some businesses like the ones that we have that are completely not that way. So can you take us through your journey? Like I'm assuming you weren't born into real estate. So tell us what happened that attracted you to become, you know, an agent and an investor. I, I think it was I think it was a fluke on a fluke how I got onto real into real estate. I was working all these dead end jobs. I, I've always been a hustler. I've always been somebody who's kind of a go-getter and, and wanted really big things for my life. I have high expectations. I just didn't know how to get there. I had, I had bad financial education. I was never taught you know, about money or how to make money or build businesses or anything like that. So in 2016, I was working a dead-end job. I, I had gone to my boss. I was making about 13 bucks an hour. And I said, I, I want to raise to $20 an hour. I'm going to quit. And they said, we're not going to give you a raise to $20 an hour. I quit the next day and I was just like, man, what am I going to do with my life? I've had 50 jobs. They've all ended the same way. What am I going to do with my life? I picked up the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I just couldn't put it down. I had never been a person that read books. And at that time in my life, where my mindset was, is I was going out to the bar every weekend, getting drunk, blowing my money on stupid things like expensive cars, clothes. I've done a complete 180 to where I'm at today in my life. And so I read this book and it literally just changes my life. I'm like, man, I didn't know this is how you build wealth. Like, this is crazy. Like, I feel like these are all the secrets that I have been looking for. So I decided to change up my friend group. I stopped hanging out with all those people that were running out of jail, going to the bar every weekend, causing, you know, a bad, being bad influences on my life. And I had told myself that, I better get a job selling real estate some way, somehow. I applied for this job to sell manufactured homes uh, because the ad had said that you can make anywhere from sixty dollars to $150,000 a year. And I'm like, wow, if I get this job, I'm going to have it made. This is going to be the thing that changes my life. And in my head, I, I had thought that it was going to change my life in a different way than what it did because it really did change my life. This job that I had got selling manufactured and modular homes really kind of put me in a good position to kind of give me a solid foundation of where I'm at today. And what, and the reason being is because the people that I was surrounded with in that business, my manager, the owner, they really mentored me and helped me get to a good place in my life where I was thinking properly. I had good financial education. I started to learn about business sales, all these things that, that led me up to where I'm at today. And you ask, you know, how I became a real estate agent. My manager of that job, who, who we're really good friends now, was always pushing me because he saw that I, I wanted more with my life. And he's like, I really think that you should go out and get your real estate license as well so you can make more money than what you're making here. And so that's how I got my real estate license. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to get my real estate license and just dive into that and just, just keep going. Just keep going. So I want to jump into something that you said a little bit ago. You asked for a raise. 
from $13 to $20, and you gave him an ultimatum. If you don't give me this 50% raise, roughly, I'm leaving. Um, so first off, I'm going to throw a st statistic out there because this is what I tell a lot of my employee friends. 70% um, of people that ask for a raise get one, but most people never ask for a raise. I think there's like the amount of people that actually ask is like 10 to 15%. So like what gave you the balls to just go ask for a 50% raise and give them an ultimatum? Because I'm like super curious about this. I've always asked for raises, but I mean, I know it's not commonplace. I mean, I really want to get into this. That led me to go ask for a raise is... I had mentioned that, you know, I'm a hustler, I'm a go-getter, and I just give it my all with whatever I do. Like, I'll just, I'll become a master at that and make sure that I'm the, like, the thing in my head and the way that I am is I'm very competitive by nature. Whatever I'm doing, I have to be the best at it. And so when I had got this job, I just became the best at it. I knew that I was an asset to that company. And I said, if these guys don't give me this raise and I quit, they're making a huge mistake. But you know, what I look on back on now is I was so angry when they didn't give me that raise. I was so pissed off, but I'm so grateful and lucky that they said no, because if they would have said yes, that's what it would have took to sell my dream and, and my dream of being an entrepreneur where I'm at right now. I'm so happy that they said no, because if they would have said yes, I would have been there today and I would have never gone on this journey that I've gone on today and done all the cool, crazy things, you know, that I've done today. I want to dive deeper. You said that the company, when you started working in the selling of the mobile homes, that they helped you get right. So you mentioned some of the things that they taught you, like sales, et cetera. But what were some of the things that they helped you fix in your mindset? <clears throat> to touch on that too, a lot of these stories and kind of me giving you a timeline of, of how this all has fallen into place is, is the long story short, because I could probably sit, sit here and give you like a 12-hour story because you know, the stuff that I've been through is so much, I've been through so much in the last five years that it's just insane. Um, but what had really got me to that level is the guy that I was working with, he was just pushing me to do more. Like he, ha he had seen that I wanted to do more and he was changing my mindset. He's like, look, if you get these big commission checks, which you're going to get, you know, some five, 15, $20,000 commission checks in this job. I don't want you to go blow it on some fancy sports car. He's like, I remember when I was a kid your age and I did that. And I wish that I had somebody in my place to tell me to go invest into something. And so I started thinking about that. I'm like, yeah, I probably should invest my money. I started looking at gold, crypto, real estate. And I really had to make a decision of stocks of, of really, really what I wanted to put the money into. So that had kind of led me you know, and kind of pushed me and pushed my mind to a different mindset. And also the owner of the company was really telling me the same thing too. You know, they, I was 23 years old. They saw that I was a young kid with a lot of ambition. And they were telling me that, you know, if you want to get where we're at in life, you've really got to change your behavior, your patterns, the things that you're doing, because the, what, the path that you're on right now is just not going to lead to a good one. You're going to burn yourself out of this job. You're going to make hundreds of thousands of dollars, but in a couple of years, you're going to have nothing to show for it. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to dive deeper into this a little bit. So, I mean, you mentioned, you know, some, perhaps some reckless behaviors, you know, a lot of drinking on weekends and stuff like that, which is, you know, common for an American in their early twenties, right? Um, that is almost a standard, right? Um, so um, we were in pre-show, we were talking about some of the friendships that you've made and some rock star acquaintances that you've made. I'm guessing that these people aren't going to bars every weekend, right? So there was a point where you probably consciously decided to change your network. 
Um, could you identify what that point is? Was this because of the direction of this guy at the mobile home or not the mobile home, the manufactured home? Um, or, or what did that look like? One of the reasons why it changed the people I hung out with, and this didn't click until, you know, like a year or two years ago of, you know, who you surround yourself with is so important. I can't stress that enough. And I always tell, you know, people who ask me to mentor them or ask for advice, I ask them like, who, who are the closest five people to you? Let's talk about them. Who are they? Because that is so, so important because who you surround yourself with is ultimately who you are. And so I was just sick and tired of hanging out with these people that didn't want to do anything. I would tell them my ideas of all these things that I wanted to do, and they would just laugh at me. They would say, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But later that night, they'd want to go, get, go to the bar and get, you know, go get drunk. And then we'd be broke and we had no money to do anything. And I'm just like, guys, like, how are we not seeing the same thing here? And really what had happened is I had learned over the years that I am a smart guy. I'm a very, very intelligent person, but the people I was around had really limited my beliefs and the things that I could do. And it was crazy. Once I stopped hanging out with them, the first six months I had done a complete 180 in my life of how I've changed as a person. I was the flea in the flea jar. You know, I had a 36 inch vertical, but I was stuck in the six inch jar and I was only jumping six inches. Once I got out of the jar, I had a 36 inch vertical and I'm like, man, the, 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 the moon is real. I could really get to the moon. So, you know, this guy at the mobile home park, you know, the mobile home park, the mobile home place, we, we, we sold homes. Um, he was really pushing me to be a top salesman there. He was really pushing me to get into real estate and be a real estate agent because we had a lot of people who would come in and they wouldn't buy a manufactured home. They'd just go buy a home on the market. And he's like, we should become real estate agents together because we're missing out on a lot of money here. You should get your license. I'll get my license. And I think that we can make a lot more money. So I think that he was just willing to be like an older brother figure, a mentor without me even knowing it. Like he had done things uh, subconsciously to make me better. And I didn't even realize it, but I think that he knew what he was doing. And I, I, I think that he just did that out of the kindness of his heart, which was really nice of him to do. And we still talk to this day. And now, nowadays, I'm kind of giving him some tips on the things that I'm doing and sharing the secrets with him because he was willing to do that for me back then. Yeah, man. So you just said something that I thought was interesting. Like you felt like you were a flea in a jar. You had a 36 inch vertical, but you were stuck in a six inch jar. I would love to talk about the feelings and emotions you're like oh look the moon is right there right what kind of feelings and emotions did you go through when you realized that that was just a glass ceiling that you could plow through interesting thing and i'm still feel like i'm at that point um in a way where i see my great life in front of me and i'm like i just get so much excitement and i can't even contain it sometimes I'm like man I, I already know what i have to do because i have the vision i already know where i have to go where my destination is and what i have to do to get there and it was kind of the same thing back then where I'm like, man, I could really, really do this because I had such low confidence back then that I could be a business owner, that I could even make $100,000, that I could own property. And once I had bro broken some of those barriers, I'm like, man, I could really do this. I could really be successful. I could really be one of those guys talking on YouTube and having a big YouTube channel. And you know, once I got that little taste of confidence, it just didn't stop. It was, you know, full, full gas. And I'm like, I could do this. I could be successful. If that guy can do it, I can do it.
Especially with that beard, man. There is no doubt. I actually so, just trimmed it so uh, it's a lot shorter. It was it was probably double. How <laughs> funny. Because our audience, we're aiming at people who are maybe at the point you were at, you know, a handful of years or however many years ago when you were hanging out at the bars with with your friends, right? They're not where they want to be. There's still a lot to be desired. So it's a big deal. Like if you've grown up with these people and they've been your friends for a long time, you know, like it, the before and after is is pretty easy. It's like, it was like this, now it's like this. But there is this middle journey where you essentially either have to tell your friends you're not friends anymore, you ghost them, something happens that's messy. Walk us through that because I want to give people some hope that if they're feeling like they're in a situation where the five people that they're surrounded with are not helping them see their moon, like you can inspire them with your story to to do that. So walk us through that journey. How did you break up with your friends? How did that all go? That's such a really good question because I think this is going to add a lot of value to people because I think a lot of people get stuck right here. You know, it was tough for me. It was super tough to leave these friends behind because you're right. I did grow up with them. I was really close to them. I was never really close with my family. So the really hard thing for me was my friends were my family and it was so hard to leave those guys behind. And I just didn't realize that I was so blind to where my life was going because of these people. And I see it with a lot of people that they're so blind to their surroundings and, and the pain that they're causing themselves. And I always tell people that like, you can't see it. You can't see what you're doing to yourself, but just trust me. If you can just commit and have a little bit of self-discipline to let those friends go, you're going to find better friends who have the same visions of you as you. You're going to find friends who want to build businesses with you, friends who want to see you succeed. So I know it might be scary to take that leap of faith and jump in, but sometimes you just got to jump because I promise you, if you do jump, you're going to be so much happier than being stuck there and saying, man, my life, I, I'm so hurt because these friends don't want the same things as me, but I don't want to leave them behind because I love these guys. I've grown up with them and I, I, I want them to come with me and I want them to want the same things as I do. But at the end of the day, you just can't, if somebody doesn't want it, they just don't want it. And you can't force somebody to have the same vision as you because what's going to happen is you're going to become disappointed because the expectation is not the same. You're going to leave yourself disappointed because of that. So my thing is, if you could go through this and do this hard work that you have to do and be alone and ditch those friends, you're going to put the energy out there and you're going to gravitate towards the right people in your life. And you're going to meet those good people. And you're going to be like, man, you're, you're going to think in your head, why didn't I do this earlier? Why didn't I do this sooner? And that was kind of the aha moment that I had. And I look back, I do a, so much self-reflecting over the past five years. And I know that I had to go through all this stuff to be who I am now and tell people this stuff. And I'm so glad that I did go through all those, those lessons, those really, really hard lessons, because that was the tuition that I had to pay. Um, but, you know, I always tell people that too, is, you know, sometimes you just have to go through all that bull crap and it's the tuition. It's the tuition you pay. It's just like the college, college degree, you know, you, you pay that, you pay the tuition. Cool. And I want to get nitty gritty here. And I know it's being super specific and I apologize for putting you through. No, this. you're good, man. I, but I want to know how did you how did you ditch those friends? And here's what I want from this: How did you ditch those friends? Did you ghost them? Did you, were you straight up with them? Did you slowly phase them? And after that transition, can you give the pros and cons of your method and what you might advise for people that have to go through a friend ditching in the future? So one thing about me, you have to ask me one question at a time because I'll go down a rabbit hole and get lost. So let's stick to one at a time. And then once I get done with this, right. go ahead and ask me the next one because I will completely forget. Like 
I, I get so super focused on that topic. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, what did he ask me? I, I have the worst memory, even with names like terrible. So, you know, ditching those friends, I'm trying to remember because it was so long ago. I don't think it was pretty. I don't think it ended, the relationships ended well, which I never like when a relationship doesn't end well. I think I'd really just told him like, look, I'm, I'm sick of your guys' crap. You guys don't support me. I don't want to be friends with you guys anymore. You guys are losers. <laughs> and I want to do big things with my life. And they laughed at me. But then they still followed me on social media and they saw what the journey I was going on. And they look at me today and they're like, dude, you're, you're killing it. It's crazy. And they still want to hang out with me. And you know what? I'm still nice to them. And I just say, look, I start having a conversation with them and I lose them. And they're like, I don't even know what language you're speaking right now. And I'm like, exactly. And it's not that what they're doing is wrong with their life. It's just not the life that I want to live. And that's okay. And it happens to a lot of people where, you know, I hung out with these friends because they were so freaking funny. They did some really dumb stuff and they made me laugh all the time. And you know, that's one thing in my life now is I'm like, okay, just because this person makes you laugh doesn't mean you need to hang out with them all the time. So, um, yeah, I just, I just said, Hey guys, you know, we can't be friends anymore. I want bigger and better things in my life. Sayonara. I wish you guys the best. I wish you guys, you know, would come and do the things that I'm doing. And if you ever want to change and and come do it, I'd love to help you guys out and I'll teach you all my secrets. Uh, because we've been friends for such a long time, but none of them took me up on the offer. I literally say, Hey, look, I got the blueprint to make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, and they just don't want to take it. They just don't want to change their life. And I'm like, man, that's crazy to me. But some people just think differently. Yeah. This is such a valuable insight. Cause I've, I've had almost the exact same experience. Like I have a lot of friends from high school that I'm like, Hey, you know, if you ever want to make triple what you're making now, it's actually not nearly as hard as you think it is. I'm happy to show you how to do it. I will do it simply because we're friends and you'd be amazed at the wall that you run into. Like it took me a very long time to realize um, I never had to sever my relationships with my friends. They were pretty solid people, but I had to distance myself a little bit. It's like I had to find new friends that had the same goals as me because I still have these high school friends. We still talk. We're still very cool, but our goals and our life vision are completely different. So I need to associate myself with people that have the same types of visions because we compound and we all grow together now. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's such a tremendous insight that I, I wish I did 10 years ago. Well, and I would say the hardest thing, and like the thing that I always tell people, like, look, like, I understand that you still want to be friends with those, those people, those old friends, but you have to be extremely careful because one, what something's going to give. If you start hanging out with these people more, people don't realize that their habits and their behaviors, they pick them up from other people. And it's either you have a direction or you're going to follow their direction. And I have to tell people like, look, there's some people that I see once or twice a year and I have to leave it at that. It's not that I don't like that person. It's not that I don't enjoy spending time with them, but I am hyper-focused on the goals and the things that I want to do with my life. Then my time, like I barely have time to go and have fun because I am so busy on social media and running my business all day long that the time that I do have is extremely, extremely valuable. And so I have to be very careful with where, what I do with my time. And if you don't have the same goals or if you're not adding the same value to my life that I need, I just don't have the time for you, unfortunately. And it's nothing personal, but it's just, I have one life and life is very short. I'm going to be very specific and very serious with how I spend my time. 
So one of the ways I evaluate my decisions is getting some distance from that decision, six months, five years, 10 years, and reflecting back. How did that decision impact the course of my life? Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Clearly, the decision to surround yourself with different people was a decision that's completely changed your life financially and probably a lot of other ways. If you were to reflect on the way that you delivered that news to them, would you do it the same way or would you change it up? I think the reason being is because I'm so nice and some people don't take it seriously. So I feel like sometimes I just have to be firm and direct and say, look, I'm just not going to take this anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to say that I need to be serious about my life. I'm laying down my, the hammer and I've got to do this. This is what I have to do for me. And you don't need to feel bad about that from cutting people off. It's okay. Because at the end of the day, it's your life. You've got to pay the bills. And if you have a dream and you have a vision, you're going to become 40, 50 years old. And the weight of regret is going to kill you. You know what I mean? Some people are so scared to dive in and do these things. And the thing that scares me now, I'm at a point in my life that it scares me not to jump in the pool. It scares me not to jump off that 100-foot cliff because the unknown, not knowing what I could have been, I'm not, I, I know that that is where success is found, is in the unknown. I learned so much from those hard, hard lessons. And that's the way that I look at winning nowadays, is it's those lessons, you know, those hard, hard lessons that teach you what you need to know to become successful. And everybody looks at success as get rich quick. It's not how success is. It's build wealth slowly. You know, you build this slowly, inch by inch, every single day to get you to the trajectory. And not only that, you have to love the process every single day because if you don't, you're not going to enjoy what you're doing. So that's what I've concluded over the last five years is I've really self-reflected on these things. And these are my superpowers. These are my tools that I use every single day to make myself better. And I project in the next five years that I'm going to have some really good self-reflecting insight and advice you know, from the things that I'm learning right now. But one thing, and I was telling my girlfriend this, you know, one thing that I think has been a good superpower for me is the self-reflecting that I do and the lessons that I've learned. And a lot of people, you know, two years ago, I was saying to myself, man, if I wish I, I wish if I would have just done this five years ago and not done all that stuff. But what I've realized is I had to go through all that bull crap. I had to go through all that hard stuff to be who I am today. 
And if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't know the things that I know because you have to go through that. And it's either you give up or you, you say, okay, I learned something from that and I'm going to keep moving forward. And I'm going to use that in the future because that's what, who makes, makes me who I am. And so you just have to be really self-reflective and know those things. That's, that's what success is. Oh yeah. You are so right. I love the metaphor that you had. You said, I, I'm afraid of not taking these 100 foot dives on a whim. It's like, you're almost like you have to do it. Right. Yeah. Right. You got to get one of those squirrel suits. Right. And you just figure it out on your way down. Um, <laughs> I love it. It really is. The I love truth. it. I mean, you yeah. have to fail in order to succeed. And so many people look at failure as failure, but it's really not a failure. If you're failing, you're on the right path, but you just have to take the failure and pain always leaves a gift, right? You have to take the failure and learn, okay, where's the lesson here? And if you could do that, then you've got it figured out more than most people. Because so many, I was talking to this lady over in Idaho Falls, she had flipped a property and she was freaking out. It was her first flip and it wasn't selling. It had been on the market for a couple of weeks. I'm like, look, just relax. It's going to sell. And even if you lose $5,000 on this first flip, do not quit. If you quit, everything that you had done would have been a huge failure. That's the failures if you quit. But even if you lose five, 10, 15, $20,000, that is your cost of tuition to learn because I guarantee you, think about it this way. How much did you learn from this first flip? Because she had gone through the ringer. Her contractor had quit. Um, she had every issue that every flipper has, you know, supplies, uh, it costs more money than she had thought. But I'm like, tell me, what did you learn from this flip? All the lessons that you learned. Now, the next flip that you take on, you're going to know, I'm not going to do this, this, and that. This one flip, aren't you glad that it didn't go the way that you wanted it to go? Because if it did, you would have ran into the, this problem sooner or later. So let's just get it, let's just get it out of the way the first time. And if you quit right now and you're making money, even if you make a grand on this first flip and you learn those lessons, that is a huge, huge win. Huge. And she's like, wow, you're right. I'm like, I hope to see you do another you know, flip here soon. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no such thing as failure. Um, the only time you fail is when you quit. I think you said that almost verbatim, and, and that is without a doubt the truth. And, and the more comfortable you get taking these 100-foot dives, you know, the more often you're going to do it because, I mean, over time it becomes easy, right? Um, very important distinction, right? You just said you're talking about this flipper. Right. You know, I've learned far more from the houses that I've lost money on than I ever learned from the ones that we profited on. Right. Like I have a, a list of like, OK, this one, we lost fifteen thousand dollars. Why? I have a like 20 point list. Like these are things I'm never going to do again. Um, so it's extremely valuable. Like you said, the cost of tuition is failure sometimes. And as long as you're able to self-reflect and assess, you just take the next step and keep going. I agree 100 percent. Tim, you. You're you're making me jealous. I haven't had more failure. I want to go out and fail a little bit right hey, now. Hey, I always just tell, to get the lesson. I always tell myself if I'm not failing big and if I'm not stressed and going through problems, my goals aren't big enough. Because if it's too easy, and and that's just to, to me because you know what I want with my life is I want to be like an Elon Musk, a Jeff Bezos, where I create all these really cool companies. It's not necessarily about the money for me. It's about the history and the reputation. I want, I have really big aspirations for my life because I know that I could do it. So I always tell myself if I'm not failing big and if I'm not going through the mud, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing crazy enough things. So some pointed questions and I'm going to ask them one at a time. So number one, you're an agent and an investor. 
Now you have big goals. People can make a lot of money as an agent. People can make a lot of money as an investor. Why is it that you see that the investing side is the better path to hit your goals? And why have you switched over from being an agent to being an investor? really enjoy being an agent all that much. I, I, I wasn't a fan of going sh and showing buyers houses and then I'd list houses for sellers. And really what it was is I was the middleman dealing with all these other people's problem. And I'm like, I don't mind being a middleman, but if I could be a middleman and make more money, why not? And so that's really kind of almost what got me into wholesaling. I actually became a wholesaler because my first couple of flips were a huge failure. Not that I lost money, but I just ran into a bunch of issues and I'm like, there has to be an easier, quicker way that I can make money. Lo and behold, it's called wholesaling. So, you know, the reason why I wanted to become an investor instead of an agent is I was laying in bed one night, you know, and in my head, I'm like, I want to be a successful real estate agent. Ricky Carruth, I was watching a lot of his stuff and I actually had gone on his, you know, podcast or show that he does on Instagram and I was really trying to get my name out there to be a successful real estate agent. And I was laying in bed one night and I flipped on a show called Flipping Boston. And I'm like, man, this looks so much funner than being a real estate agent. And I decided, I'm like, okay, if these guys could flip a house, they make it look easy. I'm going to get my first flip house. And I just started thinking, how can I get my first flip house? How can I get my first flip house? And I believe it was a couple months later, I got my first flip house. And so I just, I really enjoyed flipping houses more than I enjoyed being an agent. And some people really like being a real estate agent, but you know, for me, I like actually owning the property. I like, I like multifamily investing, even though I don't own anything currently, I've always been a fan of it, but I've also always been a fan of, of flipping. I think that it's just really cool to take something really crappy and make it nice again. Um, absolutely. So, I mean, I'm curious, like how long were you chasing the dream of being a real estate agent before you took that crucial pivot? Agent? It was quick, man. Like I would, well, also, an investor, yeah. you know, I was working at that place selling the modular manufactured homes. My business or my, my manager at the job, he had said it to me a couple of times, we should become agents. And I was just like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. I just started this job selling these manufactured homes. I'm just getting up to speed. I haven't even made my first hundred thousand dollars here yet. Let me focus on this. And then I had other agents tell me, you should become an agent. You should become an agent. I'm like, fine, I'll become a real estate agent. And really the ultimatum to leave that job and being a real estate agent was the owner of that company. As much as he did do me some good services in my life, I had a non-compete with that company. And he said, either you work here and sell modular homes, manufactured homes, or you become a real estate agent. But I'll tell you this, if you do both, I'm going to sue you for this non-compete. And I'm just like, okay, well, see ya. I'm going to go be a real estate agent. <laughs> and the funny part was this, you know, it was almost the same thing as the $20 an hour. If he would have gave me what I want, I would probably still be there because I have, I was the, I went from dead last in the company my first year to my second year in the company. I was the second, um, I was the top salesman in, for the Idaho company, the second in the whole company. I had just crushed it. And everyone, I remember all the salespeople in that company were just pissed off at me that a kid half their age was killing it. And I was really doing a lot of things for this Idaho company. I was pretty much running it. And I was telling him like, let me just run this company. I will bring, I will make it very successful. And I, I just said like, look, I want to sell a few houses on the side and make a little bit of extra income. 
And he just flat out said, no, he's like, you either commit to this 100% and you, you, um, you just cancel your real estate license or I'll sue you if you do both. And I said, well, see ya. I think that I have a better chance of being a real estate agent. So I quit and I got on the phones and just started cold calling at the day after I quit. Interesting storyline. So this is a guy who at the outset of this story is like all about helping you grow. Seems like an abundant mindset, generous, is really doing you a huge solid and teaching you how to invest, which in a sense is going to help you become retired and not work for him if you take his advice. But then all of a sudden you're, you're adding potential sources of income and it's like a, it seems like a switch flipped. This was this. I think that he had saw that I had a lot of potential, but in his head, he's like, if I could coach this guy, right, he can make me a lot of money. And so that's what it was. And so I think what it was is I had capped with the company and my goals and my ambition, my vision was much bigger. And I think that it really scared him. I think that it really scared that it, him because the manager, when I got hired, actually left that company to start the same company in the same territory. And he was freaking out about it. He was really freaked out that she was going to sell all the clientele. And he's, he's like, you're reckless. You're going to, you know, and I think that's really what it was. But the manager of that company, he's like, dude, you got to get out of here. He's like, you've capped. He's like, you need to move on and you need to, you know, chase this dream of being a real estate agent. And he's like, if you want to flip houses, go flip houses. So a strategy question. And this is kind of off the cuff. You may have thought about this or not. I think a lot of times like a business owner and a team leader, because I played those roles. And so if you were sitting in his seat and I was sitting in your seat and you could see I'm progressing and I'm capping out, how would you have structured that business in a way that could keep the business profitable and could keep someone like me on board? Like, how would you have done it if the roles were reversed? Or would you have just said, hey, he's capped, let's find another him that's in early in the journey? Realizing as a business owner is it is extremely hard to find somebody like me. It's extremely hard to find a good employee who wants to hustle and make a lot of money, but shares the same vision and will be loyal to you because it just doesn't exist. I, I've been searching for a long time and I've had trouble with even business partners. I in Idaho, me and my business partner, we were good friends, but we we didn't have a very good breakup um, as friends or business partners. So if I was, if roles are reversed and I was in his position, I don't know his experience or the things that had happened with people previously. Maybe he saw something coming that I didn't. But if it was me and I knew how loyal of a person that I was, because the way that I think about it is if this guy would have kept me happy and would have fed me and made me, you know, at least $200,000 a year and I could go invest in other properties, I would have made him a ton of money. And so I think in my business, if I can find somebody who I get what I want, but they also get what they want. And we both know that then I'm going to keep them and I'm going to do whatever I can to make them happy and keep them in my life. So if I was him, I would have kept somebody like me around as long as I can and squeeze all the juice out because I think that there is a point where somebody caps and gets the knowledge and becomes wise, but you just never know too. You know what I mean? I've, I've gone through it where at some point in his position, they just look like the bad guy, but at the same rate too, like it is really hard to find good employees and keep good people on because the cost to keep hiring and firing people in the time just isn't worth it. Like you just go through so many people, it costs you so much money. And that's kind of the struggle that I'm facing in my business right now is I need to automate this and I need to get out so I could focus on bigger and better things with my time. Cause I've gone from making, okay, I've made the thousand dollar paycheck. Now I need the 10,000. Now I need the 20. 
Now I need the $100,000. The place that I'm at in my head right now is I need the million dollar check, but I got to put the person in place who can make the $100,000 checks for me. And it is extremely hard to find that person. It is a very, very rare person. Um, and I haven't found them yet, but I think someday soon I will. When you're thinking about this, are you thinking about an employee? Are you thinking about a partner? How do you vision that this million dollar person is going to come, or hundred thousand dollar person, as you put it, is going to come into your life? I really think of it as a partner. I'm very wary to give somebody equity in a company, um, even though I've came here to Oklahoma City and I'm splitting it, you know, three, four ways with other people. But the reason why I've done that with these guys is because. I think that they're going to be extremely valuable to my life. And I think vice versa. I think that I'm going to add a lot of value as well. And so I think that it's a mutual beneficial relationship. I really am confident in the abilities of them and the future that we share the same vision to get us to the, to the end goal because the vision is huge. And I, the only reason that I did this is because I'm going to need a team like them and partners like them to be on board. But to find somebody, because these guys aren't the guys that are going to fill that $100,000 role for me. These guys are much bigger than that. These guys are going to, you know, we're the, we're making these multi-million dollar businesses together. That's who these guys are. And we're all going to help each other accomplish that. So this person, I don't know if I would give them equity sooner or later. I might, depending on how things go, but I think that it's just going to be an employee that gets commission with some kind of base pay, maybe salary. And I think that it would make somebody more than happy because a lot of people are at that level that they don't have quite the vision that I have but they want some sort of security or some mentor. And some people just want to make a hundred, two hundred thousand $200,000 a year. And if they make three to 400,000, they'd be over the moon for it. Absolutely, man. Um, yeah, certainly a rare breed. Um, people like us are out there though. You got to look for them. Um, they're certainly out there. We have conversations with them with quite some frequency at this point. Um, Char, I love your ability to bet on yourself, man. Like you've went over details of how you've bet on yourself like four or five times and you've just taken massive leaps of faith and it's paid off. I'm just, I'm, I'm really impressed with your ability to do that. I would love to get into some specifics now. You said you're really big on social media. I would love to see or get an idea of what you're doing and, and, and how that's been looking so far interesting take on social media. And I think the reason why is because with everything that I do, like I told you guys, I give it my all. And so I go down these rabbit holes. I deep dive into things. With social media, I think of it as a few different ways. I think of me as an author, as a book, and how can I get people on the hook? Or how can I entertain people? Because people pick up their phone and really all they want to do is be entertained or educated. Those are the two different two, two things that they want, entertained or educated. And so I think in my head, how can I do both? How can I entertain people, but also how can I educate? And also, how can I connect with people all over the world and become friends with people all over the world? And it's through social media. I have so many people reach out to me and I've built so many different relationships because of my social media. It has been such a huge game changer for my business and it's made me so much money you know, just building up my social media over the years. And it's, it's been a slow roll with some of this stuff. Like YouTube is really starting to take off now. Instagram is starting to take off. My TikTok just blew up during COVID. But, you know, social media is like one of my bread and butter things that I'm working tirelessly on right now, because the way that I see it is I'm not thinking, you know, 12 months from now, on my social media, I'm thinking five years from now, how can I be the person in front of everybody, almost like a Grant Cardone, I want everybody to know my name. And the way that I think about things right now is I've been very successful with all the things that I've done. 
I know that I'm going to be successful on social media. And I know that I'm going to be one of the biggest names in the next five years that everybody knows. As long as I work hard on it every single day, inch by inch, I will get there and I will figure it out some way, somehow. And that's really what I have in my head with it. So. Oh man, I love your confidence. I'm just like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure it out. We're going to do it. Um, you said something very important there. It's like you said you wanted to be known, um, which, you know, there's studies, you know, there's actually, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast yet, hopefully not. Um, but they did a test, right? Where they asked the subdivision, who's the best real estate agent in this subdivision? And then they did an eight by eight campaign, simply one postcard per week for eight weeks. And they did the same test with a fake agent. Person wasn't even real. And guess who it was? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, being known is far more valuable than being good. Um, being good and known is obviously the optimum place to be. Um, but I love what you're talking about. So you said educate and entertain. I'd love to get into the details. How do you approach that? I haven't found out the educational part yet. It's really hard to educate people and get them on the hook because the, fina the financing space on YouTube and TikTok and Instagram is very tough to break into. A lot of people don't like it because it's very boring. It's a very specified niche. Um, Grand Stefan has figured it out. But if you think of all the people in this space who are trying to do what he's doing, he is the one out of how many hundreds of thousands. So we look at people who have made funny videos on YouTube, TikTok, and all that. There's a dime a dozen, and they're doing really, really well. They get a lot of watch time. So education, I haven't found it out yet, but I'm going to figure it out, and I'm working on that. I was, it, It's so interesting. It's like what we've talked about before. If somebody wants to make $100,000, all they have to do is listen to the Freedom Chasers podcast on some of these people that have come on here, and they can make $100,000. The secrets are there. If they want to make $100,000, the secrets are on my TikTok. It's just people don't want that because because people are so used to you know instant gratification, opening up their phone and getting that little high. And you know people just want to be entertained and that kind of goes hand in hand, you know, how can I entertain people and how can I get people on the hook is really what I think about. So that's where I came up with the idea of, okay, why don't I just show people the, the, the raunchy stuff of what I'm doing every day of these crazy sellers or the termites coming out of the wall or the kids throwing glass bottles at the dumpster in the hood. People eat that stuff up. Or the seven dead cats, that one went viral on YouTube. I, had, I found a, a house that's seven dead cats and all people were talking about is, you're a monster, you killed those cats. And I'm like, I just showed up and the cats were dead. I love cats. And... It's so interesting because most of those people coming on the video don't care about real estate. They don't care about making money. They're just mad about the seven dead cats. And it's almost like the Trump effect. You know, bad media is good media. And I hate to say it. I'd love to be the guy that comes on and helps people make a lot of money. But sometimes bad media is good media because it gets your name known. It's almost like the stuff that Logan Paul's done. It's like the stuff that Jake Paul's doing. It's why Trump's always in the media. People only turn on CNN and Fox News when there's fear being played. They don't turn it on when there's good stuff being reported. But when there's fear being reported, oh, that their ratings triple, double, quadruple. Everyone's watching and they can't turn it off because they're addicted to that fear, whether they believe it or not. So I think in my head, okay, these people are going to watch this stuff no matter what. How can I get them to watch my stuff? And the thing that I hate is it has to be like that because that's the way that it is. And so I just, I say with that, don't hate the player, just hate the game. Cause that's really what it is, is 
it really scares me with this generation of the stuff that we're consuming and the stuff that people want to be entertained with. And I hope that I can have some impact to change that. I really do. Um, but that's just the honest, brutal truth. If, if I'm saying so. About this, because Tim and I have to go through these conversations a lot and these thoughts, at least a lot is, okay, we want to inspire a lot of people. And, and so that's one of the ways we think about it too. There's education, there's entertainment and there's inspiration and maybe even a few more, few more things. And so it's like, I know for me, I only get funny for very certain parts of the day. Like right before I go to bed, I get rummy and then all of a sudden everything's a joke and I can actually like put out some good jokes. But generally throughout the day, it's a bit harder for me. So it's hard to think of myself as like, okay, if I, if I want to become an entertainer, I have to become funny. And that's like a hard thing to think about. So it's like, okay, well, if I'm not an entertainer, then maybe I'm an educator or an inspirer or some of these things. I want to like dive into this whole like sensationalized content. So, you know, good media, bad media. I want to think about it. Like if, if, if I, I want to create a world, let's say, where I think ideally for me, I'd like to be persistent and consistent at who I am. And then at some, I mean, obviously like not entirely just who I am, a little bit of like interest and hook and stuff, but hopefully the world catches on through the persistency. Like, because I feel like, when you sensationalize things to a certain degree, you lose sense of one who you are, and maybe you thrust yourself into a situation where it's not not really where you want to be. Like some of these guys, like some of the guys you've mentioned, they, like they put themselves in some interesting situations, like where they're being checked out by the FBI. Yeah, so I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Like, to what degree do you need to be true to yourself? You know, can you overcome maybe the lack of virality by being a little bit more you and bland? Not saying you're bland. I'm more speaking to myself. Um, uh, and, and getting there. So just love to see how you process through this. Thoughts about this, because the decision I made in my head is I don't want to be somebody that I'm not, I don't want to make content and my life to be fake. I want it to be raw. I want it to be real. I want people to know who I am. I want somebody to come to me on the street and I don't want them to say that guy is way different on camera because I'm me. I am who I am and I'm not going to change that for anybody. So. I've had really long discuss, you know, things about that. And, and what I've decided in my head is, okay, I'm only going to post things that I like and I think that are acceptable. So at that rate, like there's certain moral boundaries and there's certain things that I won't, you know, that I, I, I won't cross. Um, and I think that it's a very fine line and it's very dangerous because especially if you get a huge audience and you're a huge influence in people's lives, and you start influencing young kids to do certain things. I've thought about all these things and I've thought, you know, I think they're much better watching my stuff than some of the other people's stuff. And I try to not go down a dark path and teach people the wrong things. Um, but it's something that I'm working on every day. And I put a lot of thought into that with the direction I want to go with my videos. So... I don't know. I, I think that I'll have to think about that one a little bit more. I know that there's an answer in there and I know that I've thought about this a lot, but I think the point that I'm at with my social media and kind of where it's going is I think that I've gotten to a place where I love the content that I'm posting and I think that it does very well. I think that it's funny and I think that it's harmless, but it also gets a different audience interested in real estate and, and learning. I think that if I was posting things that 
I think that if I was posting things that would get people to follow me or, and like me, and I wasn't a hundred percent okay with that, I would feel like that I was a fake person. So I think that I've gotten to a point where I like the stuff that I'm posting. I think that it's very funny. I think that it can be educational, um, but it's also open, opening up a new uh, spectrum and a new audience. I love that answer. And so essentially, like, because one of the fears is if you're not entertaining enough, you put in a lot of time and effort trying to inspire the world, nobody watches. And then it was a complete waste for you. It didn't impact people. And then the other element is, you know, you lose yourself and you become fake or or you morph into a different person and that could be problematic. So I definitely appreciate people, you. I've seen people blow up on social media and they're just different than, you know, YouTube make, made them different. I just told, you know, I told me, I told my girlfriend, I'm like, I'm not going to become that. They either love me for who I am, which I think that they will. But these are some of the thoughts that I have because I go home and I don't ever turn this off. Like, the hardest thing for me is going home and turning off and stop working because I go home and after I get done running the wholesaling business, the real estate business, I work on the social media business. And I think in my head, how can I be creative and how can I capture people's attention? Because the only way that I'm going to make it in this space is if I can get people interested in the things that I'm doing and get them on the hook and be creative about that. I have to do something different than everyone else is doing because this is how I capture people's attention. I can't do the same old videos that everyone else is doing because I'm just the same as everybody else. And they're going to say, who's this guy talking about how he made $100,000? I'm just so sick of it. I don't care because you see it like people are just going to scroll past that. They don't want to watch it. They want something new. And I've really thought about that. And I'm still trying to develop that and figure out those videos. But I think that I'm on the right path. And I think that I'm really close to a breakthrough. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. So obviously, like Matt said, we think about this all the time as well. And it's like this tight rope that you have to walk on because you want to be yourself, but you want to provide quality content as well. And it's like finding the right balance. I think the correct answer in finding that is simply by volume of output. It's like that experiment where um, the classroom, right, with the photography, they had two groups. They're like one group, they're saying, take at least a thousand pictures and, you know, we'll figure out what your best one. And then the other group, they said, just take one picture and give me that picture. And that's your picture. Obviously, the people that took a thousand pictures did better than the ones that took one. So, I mean, you know, trial by error is, is one of the best ways to learn almost anything. And especially when you're dealing with an audience, right? You're getting some sort of feedback that you could be reflective towards as well. So to touch on that, it's so interesting you said that because I think the real thing that I've learned in my life and kind of where I'm at is, and even with social media and everything that I'm doing is, I know that the only way that I'm going to be successful at anything is just getting out there and like you said, the thousand photos by posting a ton of videos, a bunch of different stuff and trying new things and seeing what sticks and what works. And kind of like what I said before, like there's certain things that I won't do, you know, because of my morals and I'm going to stick in that box. And I'm going to be as creative as possible to figure out what's going to work. And I've been very successful at that. And I, like I said, I think that I'm really narrowing it down to that specific niche uh, to figuring out what is going to work and how am I going to capture the attention of millions of people. You mentioned morals. And one of the things that matters to us on this show is, is having a sense of purpose and passion about your life. And so let's say you reach a billion dollars in the bank and you have a hundred lifetimes of cash flow at your disposal. So money is of no object. What would be the thing that would drive you from a purpose perspective? And what, how would you define that in your life? Right now, like I don't necessarily think about money all too much. 
you know, if I have enough money to afford my nice truck and afford my, my house and eat, go eat in nice fancy places and travel, then I'm okay. You know, like I don't need to have a bunch of money and be greedy because I'm not a greedy person. I really like donating to charities and giving money to people and helping people. I, I really like helping, you know, people that are poor. That means a lot to me. And that's really one of the reasons why I do this is because I like to give back to the people who aren't as fortunate. It's one of my big, big drivers. Another big driver too is, you know, giving back to my family. We've been, you know, poor our whole lives and I want to show them the good life. You know, I want to pay off my mom's mortgage and give her nice things and not have her break her back and work because she's working a really labor intensive job right now. And she's 60 years old. And my mom is a hustler. She wakes up at five 30 every day and works till seven and she'll go lift, you know, 80 to hundred pounds at her job. And I want to give her a nice life. But I also think about that too, of who else has a mother out there that's busting their butt who needs help. So I think about these things on, I, I think about in my head, I'm like, I'm a very capable person. I'm very smart. I could do big things. But there's other people in this life who aren't like me, who don't have the fire, the ambition, who can make this money that I can make. So you have to be very careful with the influence. And I think the influence that I want to leave behind is, you know, money isn't everything. Uh, don't be greedy. And if you do make a lot of money, you know, give to people, help people out. And I really want to change the world in that way and, and, and try to do that. And I'm really still trying to figure that out, but... Um, I think the best gift is giving with good intentions. Um, so Chara, we've been doing this for quite some time, right? So, I mean, we've probably shot at least 60 of these. I could say one of the most common consistencies that we see among the people that are most successful is that giving mindset. It's like, Matt just asked you a question, like you have all the money you need and, and your response was, I want to give back. Um, so, I mean, I think that mindset is, is rare. A lot of people prefer the scarcity mindset. Um, and there's, there's far more abundance in the world than there is scarcity. Um, money is simply a concept. Once you figure out how to attract money, it's not that hard to find. Um, and, and, you know, there's no problem that can't be solved. So, Char, I mean, I would love to know what your vision is for the next 12 months. Like, what are you guys looking to accomplish? This is probably a question that I should ask myself more. You know, where do I want to go? And I think that I've kind of just gone to the point where... I'm on autopilot because I know what I have to do to get me where I want to be. So the next 12 months, I want to be, you know, very successful on social media. I want my TikTok to be at least a million followers. I want my YouTube to have at least a hundred thousand subscribers, constantly posting, you know, videos. I want people to know who I am. You know, this wholesaling business that I have in Idaho and Oklahoma City, I want it to expand to the whole United States where people know me as one of the largest wholesalers in the nation. And I just want to be a big figure on all platforms. Like I want people to know who I am. It's a really big thing for me because I feel like all the hard work that I'm putting in has to pay off, you know, you know, for something. And I think why it's important for people to know who I am is I just want to connect with like-minded people. I think that, you know, I add a lot of value to people's life. And I think that, you know, I want those same people to come into my life and we can sharpen each other. Iron sharpens iron. And I really, really believe that. So, you know, with, with the touch on that, you know, the giving mindset, I, I'm, a, I'm a giver. It's just who I am. I love helping people and I'm always willing to help people if they want the help. If they ask the right questions and seek the right things, I will give them all the answers that they want. I'll, I'll hold no secrets back. If you want to know these things, ask the right questions and I, I'll do it. I'll help you. I can't tell you how many people I've helped make their first $100,000. And it's just, 
so awesome to see them accomplish that goal. Because I remember me being that kid who wanted, you know, to make that, you know, that hundred thousand dollars or that million dollars. And that my manager at the manufactured home place is like, I'm going to help this kid who I don't know become successful. So I think about that. And I think about this people in the same position, you know, that I was in. Absolutely. Isn't it just crazy how life changes once you start accomplishing your dreams? Like, I remember being like, oh, man, it would be so amazing if I made six figures, right? And then when I hit six figures, I'm like, not <laughs> yeah, no, as much money as I thought it was. And it's like, <laughs> it goes fast. Yeah. It goes fast. It's like, oh, it's like, unfortunately, when, you, when, you're, when you're in the business growing game, right? Like, you want to reinvest that money. So, like, you're getting money coming in, but it's like, oh, I need to hire an employee. I need to do this. And it's like, oh, well, all of a sudden you have a P&L report. Everything changes, right? Um, really cool, man. So... Obviously, you're on all these social platforms, man. I need you to kind of give us all the, the locations. How can everybody find you if they, if they want to find out to Char, if they want to reach out to Char and learn more? Me on Instagram. I've been doing a lot of stuff on there, but I think the best way to reach me and contact me is on Instagram. You know, I go on, I've been, I've been going on a ton of podcasts lately. Um, I just was on one with Deal Machine this week. But, you know, if you want to reach out to me and you have the same mindset or you want some help, just come follow me on Instagram. Shoot me a message. I'd love to get back to you and, and have a conversation with you. Um, just know that it takes some time. You could follow me on TikTok. You could follow me on YouTube. But my Instagram is probably the best place to reach me if you're wanting to get a hold of me. If you just want to take a backseat and see what I'm doing, just go follow me on all three. Um, and you can kind of see the stuff that I'm doing. I think that it'll, it'll give you some kind of value. If not, you'll at least get a good laugh with some of the stuff that I post on there. I think it, it's a little bit hysterical. And I try to make this a little bit, you know, with the stuff that I do post, I try to make it a little bit lighthearted. You know, we go through, I go through a lot of stress in my business and deal with all these sellers and all these crazy situations. And a lot of them are really tough. You know, a lot of sellers give me their sob stories and I really feel for them. And it makes it really hard to go home at the end of the day and not really dwell on those things. And I try to see the light and everything. And that's why I make these, these funny TikToks, these funny YouTube videos about that stuff, because I think that you have to see the bright side of things, you know? Life really is what you make of it. It really, really is. You can hate your life and hate all this stuff you're going through, or you can just be positive about it and just know that you're where you're supposed to be. And if you want better, you have to knock on the door and it'll be open. Yep. And you have to take full responsibility for it too. Um, <laughs> absolutely, brother. Um, this is really exciting stuff. Um, so, I mean, I'll tell you right now, I'm going to be checking out your videos. I think me and Matt certainly lean heavier on the educate versus entertain. So, I mean, I'm actually, I'm entertained with the idea of just watching your videos to kind of see how we could kind of find a balance perhaps. Um, so just want to send you some sincere and absolute gratitude and thanks. Thank you so much for being on the show, sharing your life and your business, everything that we've gone through. It's been tremendously powerful. Um, and to those of you out there seeking freedom, freedom is acquired one action at a time. So commit to taking one action, please, within the next seven days and tell somebody you know or go find somebody you don't know yet that you should add to your network. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So we'll catch you guys on the next one. Take care. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 